Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, and that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad I didn't get to you said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, I really should I punch you? <laughs> it doesn't work if you're not wearing Why? a mariachi suit. Uh, We're not wearing a mariachi suit. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Bang and Broadcast, episode number 110, where we cast movies so Hollywood doesn't have to. What? Yeah, throwback. <laughs> we haven't done one of those in a long time. Yeah, I know. It's episode number 110. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we have our friends over from uh, Confessions of a Movie Snob, Aaron and Ethan. That's when you guys say you hi. Just... <laughs> oh. Okay. We're a little uh, slow here uh, in Kansas. I'm Chris. <laughs> hi. I'm Aaron. Uh, and I'm Paul. Oh, and I'm Ethan. <laughs> Nobody wants to be John. <laughs> no. John's perfect the way he is. Womp, womp. <laughs> We don't need to improve upon John. His, his check didn't bounce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Wait, they don't know me at all. <laughs> it's been since, uh, was it 79 since I was on and before that for Ethan even, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I re-listened to our podcast today, and I, I owe Paul an apology. But it's okay. It's, I know these guys don't like me, so it's fine. Right. <laughs> right. I'm just an asshole to you, Paul, and I, 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 I have no problem with you. I apologize. I, <laughs> I, I don't mean it to come across like that, but listening to it, even as non-objective, it seems that way. I, I apologize. Yeah, but I think that's fun for the listeners to believe that we have something going. And you were, okay, fuck you, Paul. <laughs> you, you were drinking a lot that day, too. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron drinks a lot every day. <laughs> <laughs> so 79, that was our comic book draft? Podcast does not have alcohol in my system. Yeah, comic book draft. That would have been the comic book draft. That was 79. It was the comic book draft that was the last time that... Uh, yeah, that was the last time I was on, and then Ethan was on for the summer movie yeah. uh, block, Blockbuster Bracket Buster. And, and then my life exploded. And then his life exploded, and then it was gross. <laughs> well, I could, I could count on you two both being back on uh, in April when we're going to be doing our now second annual summer movie bracket bu- uh, blockbuster bracket buster. Oh yeah, I'll smoke you this time too, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Them's this fighting word, and, and I'll actually uh, you know look at the movies or something this uh, time. I stand uh, by my picks. They yeah, might hey, have since, right. uh, since we're since we're on the line, Paul, and I, I do love you, and I do have no problem with you. What was my prize for winning that? I got a, I got a snooty golf clap. Yes. No, yes. it was very snooty. You didn't see the look on his face when he did it. He was he was none too happy. But, you know, I was nonplussed. I hope you learn from us and you smoke our mm-hmm. smoke us next uh, year. Well, we are also we are also offering a prize to uh, people that you know. Rate us and review us over on iTunes to actually come on the show and uh, do their bracket with us. Yeah, I already rated and reviewed you, so I did yes. nothing. I've done it like three times. Multiple <laughs> <laughs> times? Well, I, have, I, have, I, have, I have multiple <laughs> iTunes accounts. Oh, that is an idea. I have so many emails, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, it's like weird. We got like twelve new reviews, and they all say the exact same thing. Wow! It's a podcast. <laughs> you got that one from Ed. Of all the podcasts I've ever listened to, this, this is, is one, one of them. them. <laughs> Why don't we quit hijacking this shit like a couple of terrorists and let them get on with their show? Yeah, when we're not inflating our review numbers, we're coming at you in three segments. <laughs> the first being that we can bring you the top geek stories of the past week. 
Then we follow that up with the list, which is actually the comic books we're most looking forward to this week. And we're looking at books for January 25th today. And then we're stealing a segment from our friends over here, and we are doing a casting couch. We are casting uh, some of our favorite comic books as if they were going to be movies. Wait, is that kind of casting couch? <laughs> Why did I take my pants off then? <laughs> because you love me. You wear me. pants during your podcast? That's how, that's how oh, we uh, oh, inflate our reviews. Oh, reviews. <laughs> God, is it, oh man. It's, everybody's learning so much about podcasting today. It's great. <laughs> I know. And, so, podcast and something you already know about our podcast is we drink during it. Shay <laughs> oh crap! I, I listen to Shay and look what happens. <laughs> and uh, this week we are enjoying the Southern Tier Euro Trash Pilsner. Um, I'm not a huge Pilsner fan. I it's very rare that I find one that I like, and I do like this one. It's got some nice flavors to it. It's not like just drinking kind of. Flat, watery beer. It's got some flavor to it. It has a little bit of flavor. It's 5.2% alcohol by volume, which is a lot higher than normal pills. Normal pills are usually on the lower end, like between 3.8 to 4.2. Um, at least that's what I read. You guys, Have you guys been watching? You guys don't watch TV. <laughs> no. But so I, to I, answer I, your question, no, we yeah. haven't. But I've been watching, uh, you know, the playoffs. and For what? Uh, or the sports? NFL. Yeah, football. Oh, sports football. playoffs are happening yeah. now. Hey, isn't that Super Bowl coming up? Yeah, February 5th. Uh, what bracket are we doing for that, Paul? No, we do our Super Bowl, which is Marvel versus DC throughout the past year. Oh, okay. on, You were there last year, right? We were drinking. I don't we, remember. We did that last year? Yes, during the Super Bowl. <laughs> Super uh, Bowl. Yeah. Didn't, uh, excuse me, Magnum Broadcast Boys. Didn't uh, Marvel win last year? Mm-hmm. They did. That's bullshit. That's because Marvel was awesome. They had a great year. They had a better year than DC last year, but for 2011, for the Super Bowl, the second annual, uh, that is what we'll discuss February 5th. But during the commercials, they have this uh, one commercial for Miller Lite, and they're like, we're the three-time winner of the World Cup of Beer, World Beer Cup Award. That happens every two years. We're three-time winners. And I'm like, then I go on to their thing and see what kind of awards they, they do. And they do an award for, like, every type of beer. So they have, the, like Miller Lite. they have the, like, American Light-style lager, American Light-style Pilsner. It's like, okay, yeah, you won, but you were competing versus nobody. Next year, I say we enter the best beer brewed by a podcast <laughs> competition. You guys need to enter like the the best podcast called Back to Podcast contest. I think I found a beer brew. There's a beer brewing thing like at the local Salvation Army. We could go buy. <laughs> it sounds sure it's completely sanitary. It sounds so legit. It hurts. <laughs> no, nice of the Salvation Army to fund that habit. But yeah. Mm. Uh, so I was looking on the website and seeing like what is actually what they consider this kind of beer versus this kind of beer, and I saw the Pilsner there, and it says low alcohol Pilsner. It's like three point eight to four point two. It's kind of crazy that this one's uh, five point two. So you know, this is very drinkable, but for me, Pilsners are all kind of the same. Like, yeah, this is a better Pilsner, but I can't put this too far above anything else, like you know, Labatt or Miller. It's just. It's all oh, there. Oh like, yeah, but I'd say it's on the, it's above those. It's above those, but it's below everything else. Oh, yes. Alcohol content. <clears throat> yeah. I'm not sure I was aware of that. Very low. 
I like the Pillsbury Doughboy too. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wait. <laughs> I just poked John. Oh. I did. I caused. I caused. In the poke. stomach. <laughs> <laughs> I put my pants back on. <laughs> but hey, there you go. Let's let's get into some real shit now. Let's get into some real news, and by real news, I mean rumors. What are you drinking? Uh, it's uh, the Oma Gang Brewery uh, Three Philosophers. When did you guys review that? We were trying to figure it out earlier. Yeah, do you remember Paul? You know Paul? No, I don't remember when. But we did uh, like three Oma Gangs in a row. Like, yeah, in one episode. something about maybe yeah. not episode one hundred. Episode one hundred wasn't that one of the beers that you got? Yeah, maybe that I would have put in the pack. Yeah, yes. I enjoy it. Yeah, that yeah. Was- yeah, you yeah. drank it again. Yeah, so episode 100, we talked about it again, but I'm pretty sure we had it on before that, too. Yeah. Yeah, we actually did it for a full beer review. Mm-hmm. I love Maybe it. I think we had the chocolate indulgence on, too. No, I'm thinking That's about. really, uh, I don't know the word for it. Uh, you get that cherry? Yeah, it, it, it's really sh- maybe sharp. Yeah. Yeah. High alcohol yeah. on that one. It's, it's good, mm-hmm. but it's... It wasn't what I was expecting at all. I didn't expect it to be nearly that flavorful. There's lots, you know, lots of notes. I think. Yeah, it's um, what it's uh, it's got a cherry lambic in it. So you're, that's where you're getting a lot of the cherry from, on top of uh, everything else of the other yeah, spices it and like stuff. A, I don't know, just like a Sam Adams or something with <clears> some cough <throat> syrup in it or something. But <laughs> it's, it, I don't take that negatively. I like it. It's good. It just I wasn't expecting. Just nothing like I expected. It doesn't taste anything like it smells at all. Yeah. Let it uh, warm up just a little bit, and everything will even come uh, a lot clearer with it. And the alcohol taste will kind of mellow out <laughs> on the back end too. Okay. Sorry. No. Yeah, it's good stuff. I also drank, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but I liked it, too. <laughs> it, was, it was beer. Yeah, it was, no, it was some kind of IPA. I forget what it was called. It was it was Pete's, some, Wicked Pete or Pete, I don't remember, but I liked uh, it. Pete's it, Wicked Ale? Yeah, I think that was Pete's Wicked Ale. I know we had that uh, before, but I don't remember I'll go get a bottle. You guys but we can get into the... Uh, John, what do you got for the Week in Geek? What do I have? I have uh, a little movie news with... Um, since we're doing our casting, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they just hired a director of PJ Hogan to direct the adaptation of Bone. Ah. Oh. Um, What's Bone? Bone is fantastic. Uh, the, uh, Those are, uh, the, the, back, the, the, the Red Bone Zone original text is based off the Bone text. Mm-hmm. From the cover. No, oh, you know what? I can see that actually. Looking at um, your logo on. Yeah, yeah. That, that is. Yeah, that is I good. can't believe I didn't place that before. It's the all ages book published by Scholastic. It, 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 it was it, it was hand uh, interpreted by a girl that I used to uh, know. That uh, she was thing. kind of an artist, and she looked at a cover of Bone, and she interpreted the letters based off of it. Hmm. But yeah, I like the I, I like the lettering. I like the book too, for what it's worth. But yeah, the original Red Bones on logo text was based off of the Bone cover, the Bone logo. If you want to get a kid into reading comics, you hand them Bone. Bone is fantastic. It's um. Are the better Fables. I want to give a kid Fables. No, show kids Fables if you want to like get the yeah. Right, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Show them Lost Girls if you really want to screw them. Yeah, fuck those kids. <laughs> um, but Bone is the all-ages fantasy book um, written and drawn by uh, Jeff Smith, who is fantastic. I don't want to say this was his life's work, but he 
did everything himself. It took him like 12 years to do this. He did it all, mm-hmm. self-published it through his cartoon books. And then actually got picked up by Scholastic, who mm-hmm. did the trade collections of it. Um, it's very Lord of the Rings via Disney is the best way, I think, to describe it. It's just very, like, fantasy epic and very accessible. Like, it's a fantastic book. So I'm glad to hear that they're getting a movie for and, this. And um, Animal Logic is going to be doing all the computer animation for that, best known for um, Legends of the Guardians. Oh, the Owls of Cool. Yeah. Snyder flick. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, that had a great look to it. So I can see this movie having a great look. The only thing is, is um, PJ Hogan is best known for like Confessions of a Shopaholic, and some other more chick flick movies. Which I wanted to see that though because I like Isla Fisher. Hmm. I think she's adorable. Hmm. I don't know her, but I, I assume she was the lead. She was the lead in that. Okay. Uh, the crazy redhead from Wedding Crashers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Married to Sasha Baron Cohen. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. So. In rumor news... Rumor news? That's the rumor, Paul. THQ might be closing up shop, meaning all those... Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Maybe all those sweet, sweet licenses that they hold will be up for grabs, because licenses uh, for video games are not transferable. So a bunch of sports licenses, they own the... If Scott was here, producer Scott, he'd be excited to hear that. Somebody else might be doing wrestling games now. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, they they had the, the... The, the WWE license for the longest time. Yeah. I don't know if it was still... still if THQ closes, that means that license would be up for grabs That's again. Nuts, because, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about video games and stuff, mm-hmm. but I do know that name. Yeah, nice. they've been around for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. And also, uh, they do a lot of the Disney franchise movie, you know, tying games for Disney movies, so it might be good to get them somewhere else. You know, look like what WB has done with the Batman series with Arkham and Arkham Asylum. We yeah. love it because instead of just farming it out to somebody like a THQ, uh, they went with an actual really solid developer with Rocksteady who really didn't do much before that. But, man. And then they went out and bought Rocksteady. <clears throat> now they own that uh, game developer. That's a developer that I will be looking for in the future. Like, if I see Rocksteady on something, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll oh, try yeah. it out. They, they they put a hundred percent into those games. They go they go at a game with passion, yeah. which is nice. You don't see that often. What did they do bat, the Batman stuff? The Arkham City and Arkham yeah Rock yeah. yeah. Rock oh, okay nice yeah they did. Good. I mean the bat I, I you know I mean I like the Batman games like a mm-hmm. the whole ton like a, a magic mm-hmm. shit ton, but I, I can't really speak towards their other games. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else the Rocksteady has done. I honestly don't you know, know what it, else they That's done. all they did. That's a hell of a resume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, they do good stuff. So. THQ, it's though? I, I can think of that has their logo on it. THQ games? Usually crap. Because yeah. they spend so much money on their licensing, they can't really afford to put any money behind developing the game. But you know what? Those so are games that, that sell, though. I mean, they don't have to, you know, put a lot of work into it because people are always going to buy the new wrestling game when it comes out. Right. So I'm kind of happy that they're closing. I know it's mean to see people, you know, get put out. But, uh, yeah, I'd yeah. rather the license be put behind, you know, spread out more <laughs> so that way we might still get better games instead of just, like you're saying, they're just going to sell. It doesn't matter. So when you go to Rocksteady's uh, website, when you look at their uh, previous projects, there's Batman Arkham Asylum, Urban Chaos, which I don't even know what that is. 
And my phone won't scroll down. Oh, no, it did. There's just yeah. those two games. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we weren't that far off. Urban Chaos was a uh, first-person shooter that came out in May 2006. Wow. So, you know what? For having three games, two of them just huge hits, like, yeah. Well, let's think. Blizzard. They started off with, like, Lost Vikings, and then they came out with Warcraft. Yeah. Hey, Lost Vikings was cool. I liked that game. Who did the Clay Fighters? Was that wasn't them, was it? No, no. <laughs> Clay Fighters. That? that game was ridiculous. Uh, Interplay? Maybe. Come on, Paul. You're the video game guy. Uh, I'm not sure who did Clay Fighters because that would be embarrassing if I took place in the blockbuster Clay Fighters tournament that they had. <laughs> Why do you have shifty eyes when you say that, Paul? <laughs> Does anybody else remember the Clay Fighters tournament? Like, before the game was released, like, you could go to Blockbuster and they had a tournament. And it was before the game was actually out, right? So you would just show up and then play the game and hope that you moved on? The <laughs> <laughs> game where the big bad guy was a hand? No, the big bad guy... play that's... one, though. There, one of the things was a hand. I thought yeah, that. I think so. I, I, I remember in Super Smash Brothers. Paul didn't make it that far in the tournament, apparently. <laughs> One of them was, I know one of them was like a snowman, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, he threw snowballs <clears throat> and clay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, other big news in video game kind of realm is the new Tiger Woods is not going to come to the Wii. Which is yeah. really surprising because, you know, like, they always, with the Tiger Woods series of games, or the Masters now, uh, they always said, oh, it's best on the Wii for the motion control, like, play yeah. golf. But now that the other two systems have the motion control. It's kind yeah, of... Play Fighter came out from Interplay. Oh, nice. Good, good call. No. Wow. Uh, now, are these Tiger Wood games any good? Yeah. Do you like golf? No. <laughs> then then no. no. I mean, I like getting drunk. I like playing golf. I don't like watching golf. I like getting drunk and like driving balls at the cars on the freeway, but that's not, <laughs> that's not golf. That's not golf? I like golf, but that little windmill always fucks me over. <laughs> but this is another step in EA where they don't release the hockey game on the Wii. They uh, they kind of stopped producing Madden on the Wii with you know making it like backyard football. Uh, it's EA basically walking away from the Wii and closing up shop there. Why? It doesn't sell. Games are not selling on the Wii. They, really? They say well, that I would say games like that probably don't sell them. Yeah, like, more uh, from my days working at the video game store, I mean, those were generally for the more hardcore uh, gamer crowd. So I understand oh, yeah. that going for PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah, it just makes sense too because I mean, there's such a difference between the 360, yeah. the PS3, and the Wii that yeah, you can develop a game for PS3 and 360, and it's fine. But you have to have a whole other development team to probably that be smart do that, to that though, for the to, Wii. To, to make one for the. To the for the bigger boys, the PS3 and the 360, and make a Wii game. Not yeah. since you can't also then port the Wii game over to the PSP anymore, because uh, now it's the PSP Vita, which actually has higher art oh style. Also, the Vita uh, is such a fucking ripoff. A whole other, essentially, a different game. Yeah. Than what they're releasing well, already. No, for like the Wii. Does that apply to stuff like you know, pretty much for like Tiger Woods or? Would they maybe make that leap with Madden or something like that that has the bigger... Like, I'm saying that they've pulled out uh, hockey already. NHL franchise has not a, from EA has not appeared on the Wii, except for one year. Um, well, they had Slapshot last yeah. year, which they the one still year. had, yeah. They saw the movie? 
<laughs> no, it was like a Wayne Gretzky like arcade kind of. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Play as one of the Hanson brothers. Um, but yeah, it's just EA pulling away, and even their Madden is completely different from the other two Maddens, and it's because the art style has to be different. They have to come up with completely yeah. different art and you know texture renderings and stuff like yeah. that for those games. Now, how much more powerful is the art graphics and bit rates and stuff on the Wii versus the 360 and the PS3? Well, uh, we can only put out 480p resolution. The Wii can only do 480p oh, okay. resolution, but whereas the PS3 Xbox and PS3... Can't go up to mm-hmm. But they don't typically, yeah. but they can. Yeah. Okay. You got it? Okay. Sure. But, but, so most of the games on the 360 and the PS3 are 720. Yeah, they're mostly 720. So you need a better, you need more texture on the, right. everything you look at. Otherwise, you'll really notice that uh, everything kind of looks flat or just weird. Well, I do know that, uh, and I don't pay nearly as much attention to the video games as you guys do, but I do remember it was something of a big deal when God of War 3 came out in 1080. Yeah, and because they actually like push that in the advertising and stuff. Well, but. also with going to 1080p, uh, then frame rates really matter. Also, because not only is it intent that all the everything looks good in 1080p, it's also that it runs smoothly in 1080p for a game like without well, a frame war. Rates, you're not looking at your you're not looking at your resolution. You're looking yeah. at your uh, your hertz, and so you know you would want a you'd want a 120 or a 240 hertz. You know, no, you don't. Not on a video game. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. On a video game, you don't actually want a 240 hertz because the screen is actually interpolating, interpolating what will be happening. So you're actually going to get more lag between the screen and your controller. Right. When you well, actually have 240, that. 240 is pretty extreme, but 120 you can deal with it. Yeah, and there's actual... But then on those TVs, when you go up to 120, you have to look for the settings to make sure you're not getting that kind of flag going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just curious. I mean, like, I've but I think this like is even more geeky than these two guys are. Around. I don't know really much about them at all. I, I think John and Chris are kind of losing it right now because they uh, they they are passing notes to each other because they think the hertz and resolutions and frame rate issues are kind of boring to talk about. So let's get into the list. Hey, you know what, Paul? What? Fuck them. <laughs> let's talk about some tech stuff, because I know that you always put put by the wayside. This is, uh, this is what it used to be like. Frame rate and stuff on um, like Blu-rays and stuff like that. Uh, I was watching... I was watching... Um, oh, I was, uh, Sherlock, season one. Mm-hmm. I was watching, uh, I had that on Blu-ray, and I was watching that at my parents' house, and they have a, a 240 television and a really nice Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and, uh, Blu-ray player, and I could tell the difference so much, it was crazy, and I, it blows my mind that other people can't tell the difference. I mean, can you see it? When I watch something that isn't uh, 240 hertz or 120, I, I feel like something is a little bit off. Like, no, it's, it's your kind vision, of, you're colorblind. It looks unreal. Like, stuff kind of looks a little... Like otherworldly, it's weird. It reminds me of like a flip book. I mean, it, it it feels like there's frames missing when you when you're watching it at 120 or God forbid, uh, you know, 70. But like like 240 is like where it's at. I mean, it's incredible, and you know, let them be, you know, passing notes. But I mean, it's it, it's important. I mean, especially on when you get your your higher resolution films. I mean, it is important. It just reminds me of when. Uh 
we used to have producer Scott on and him and Paul would go off talking about like random stuff and John are like, we don't know anything about this. <laughs> well, I am a tech, I am a tech geek, kind of like Paul. And I, you know, I mean, I understand what Hertz is and, uh, you know, like resolution and pixels and stuff like that. I mean, I get it and I understand how important it is. And it's frustrating to me that more people aren't like that because if more people don't support it, we're not going to get the higher resolution televisions or the higher resolution games. And they're not going to, you know, they're going to leave well enough alone and well enough alone is never well enough as far as I'm concerned. So are you excited that The Hobbit is being filmed all on red cameras? I am, uh, but I'm more, but I'm more yeah. excited about the 48 frames a second. I mean, the red cameras you can you can mm-hmm. film that you know anywhere. I mean, you can film that with uh, you can do fuck you can do three frames a second if you want, but 48 frames a second is it, it's crazy. I've seen a couple of movies like that um, where they're actually projecting it at that uh, ratio, and I've even seen them on you know like you know high uh, refresh rate televisions. I mean, mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's like there's a Freaking window where my TV is. I mean, it's so lifelike. Uh, and you know, like I on on uh, Confessions of a Movie Snob on our show, you know, my thoughts are you know very well known on the Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. I, I find them overall boring. I find them technically, you know, spectacular. But The Hobbit, I'm so looking forward to. The Hobbit's one of my favorite books. I probably read it once a year. And, um, you know, anything more they can do to you know tech that up, I'm excited about. Have you seen the uh, new screenshot? Of Martin Freeman as Bilbo holding Sting? Uh, yeah, I'm not about... Yeah. Uh, I'm, I've been a huge fan of um, Martin Freeman probably since I saw uh, Love and Actually opening night in the theater. and I've never gone back because I, I adore that you, movie. And you just piqued Paul's more interest. The more that uh, Martin Freeman gets work, I've been more excited because <laughs> that's a fantastic... I, I've called... And I believe rightfully so. I call Mark Freeman the English Tom Hanks. So he's an English. Whoa! Paul <laughs> hates Tom Hanks. He doesn't know how to <laughs> feel now. You know, once again, I mean, I said, you know, I, I, Tom Hanks. You know, you don't have to like him or love, or you don't have to like him at all to at least recognize that people recognize him as the American everyman. Right. I mean, you don't have to like him to. He's, he's every man, but he's always Tom Hanks. He's the new Jimmy Stewart. But you know, people suck. Oh, you know, what, Chris. I think that's a good that, that, that's a good parallel. What did he say? He's like Jimmy Stewart. He's, he's the new Jim, he's Jimmy Stewart of our time. I, I agree also, with that, Chris. Okay, there you go. He's he, he's the he's the British uh, he's the British Jimmy Stewart or the British uh, who do you like? No, I think he's from Tom Hanks and Jimmy Stewart. Yes, they're comparable. I think that Jimmy Stewart's a lot more wholesome. Comparable. But he's he's the uh, he's the British uh, War Inspector. How yeah. about that? So, <laughs> you would never see you would never see Jimmy Stewart dress up like a girl to live in an apartment complex with his buddy. They're bosom buddies, though. Exactly. Uh, uh, I was gonna say, please he, name something where he, he dresses up like a woman. No, that was uh, something like no, a hot, no, and that did not okay. have Jimmy Stewart. So, so curse. Yeah. So let's so not go there because this is not. A movie podcast. No, no, this is a comic book podcast where we talk about comics in our list section. That was your most forced segue ever. <laughs> I know. It's what it's worth. I forced it. <laughs> <laughs> but, John, what, what book are you looking forward to this I'm, week? I'm actually looking forward to a graphic novel coming out, oh, which novel. is Jim Henson's uh, Tales of Sand, which um, the Henson Company found a unproduced script that Jim Henson wrote and they carried that over and um, have made that into a trade paperback. 
Art by um, Raymond Perez. Yeah, um, this actually came out through issues. I believe it was from um, Archaea Press over yes, the past is. year. Yeah, it's Sam, as in Sam the Eagle, right? <laughs> <laughs> as in, as grains through an hourglass. Sand. Wait, was that a Days of Our Lives? It was. <laughs> that, you need to stop watching daytime television. Um, was uh, this is a this is that's a, that's one of the Henson's unproduced screenplays. I have heard of it before now. Mm-hmm. This is actually yeah. really cool. Um, because Arkea last year for Free Comic Book Day, they put out it was like a uh, what's referred to as a flip book, where one half of it was a mouse guard story, mm-hmm. which is probably their biggest book, and then when you flipped it over, the other side was the, like the first part of Tales of Sand and their Dark Crystal comic book, yeah. both Henson. And they're also going to be bringing Labyrinth to comic book form as well. <laughs> is this like a retelling of Labyrinth, or is it like that same world? Uh, I'm not exactly okay. sure. If it doesn't, doesn't have Jennifer Connelly in it, then what's the point? Paul, you were looking forward to more of a... His cod piece. <laughs> you love the uh, boy. That's the power. Hey, Paul. Hey. Have you made it to the Muppets yet? No, not yet. Oh. <laughs> you have no soul. No. <laughs> I'm too busy watching football. You do have no soul. <laughs> Absolutely check out the Muppets when you get a chance. It is a real good movie. What is this football you speak of? <laughs> American and English. Uh, Paul, what, what's the book that you're looking forward to? Uh, I admitted it last week. It's what's top of my stack during the last week of the month. It's uh, I Vampire. It's just always, you know, it's the book that I'm always looking forward to this week. What number? Uh, I believe it's five. It should be five, yeah. 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 Five months in. This is part of the DC relaunch, right? Yeah. And, uh, but this is one of those DC launch books that is unlike any other book that DC used to be publishing. This is, you know, we finally got some more. Uh, side characters in the last issue, you know, and so <laughs> and learned a little bit about them. Uh, you saw it's just been a fun book. It's Jay Lee style art, even though it's not Jay Lee, and it's well written and it's fun. And Chris, yes, I'm Chris. Why did John draw that kind of picture? I drew that picture. Uh, okay, that was that was John with a penis in front of him. <laughs> Who's saying, "Hey, buddy"? I don't know. I wrote that before. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to Teen Titans number five. Really? From, from DC Comics. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm really enjoying this book. Scott Liddell has a fun way of writing teen books. I mean, you got this on his 90s X-Men stuff. Mm-hmm. You're getting it now in Teen Titans and Red Hood. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. This is our first actual book of the team. Mm-hmm. Like, the team's finally come together, and now they're fighting Superboy. Who, Scott Liddell's also writing Superboy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. He- they're fighting Superboy? They're fighting Superboy, yeah. yeah Superboy came out of nowhere. So, oh. Yeah. Superboy is a, um, he's a clone in the DCNU, but he's been uh, grown by this association or, you know, faction called Nowhere. <laughs> and basically he's uh, seeking out the Titans because Nowhere's trying to corral all the super-powered kids in one spot, and the Teen Titans are kind of rebelling against that. Huh. Now, is da- Damien's in this, Teen Titans? Uh, right. Damien is not in these uh, in the Teen Titans. It's actually headed up by Tim Drake, Red Robin. Oh, cool. So if you're looking for a Tim Drake book, it's got to be Teen Titans. I'm not looking for Tim Drake book. Well, you should because he's my favorite. I like favorite Tim Robin. Drake, I, but I but I I like uh, I like Dick Grayson and I like Jason Todd. Well, I mean, I like reading them better. Uh, I mean, obviously, if I wanted to hang out with any of them, it'd probably be Tim Drake. But if yeah. I were to read a book about them, it'd be those two. And honestly, like if you if you enjoy Jason Todd and Dick Grayson, Nightwing, and I say Jason Todd. You did. 
Nuke Kansas. That's fine. I I, I met Damien. <laughs> I like Damien. Um, Damien. Honestly, like every Robin is doing some great things in all of the bat books that they're appearing in. Like if you're a fan of that character, they're just living it up in whatever book they're appearing in right now. Is Stephanie Brown? She is right? not. Um, but Scott Snyder actually said in an interview that. Um, some characters are kind of off the table right now because DC has plans for them, and Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane were two of those characters. They're going to probably be appearing in uh, Leviathan, the Grant Morrison Batman book coming I, out, coming out of uh, Batman Incorporated. No, 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 that's another guy. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Miles. okay. sorry. Grant uh, Morrison is hitting mass. I, no, yeah. I, 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 Grant Morrison is weird, but I still like him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, an awful lot. But like Grant Morrison was the one doing, uh, yeah, okay. I always get it mixed up with Warren Ellis for some reason. Wow. No, no honestly, like, I can uh, understand that. I really that. enjoyed uh, the Batman and Robin the was doing uh, before, the, before the 52 reboot. Yeah. Yeah, so... So, um, I, I, uh, not, to, not, 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 not to hijack, but apparently that's what I do. Yeah. Are you guys planning on talking about Sophie King and her little faux pas in her interview? Um, yeah, I saw that. No, okay, I have no idea who that, she is. So I'm not looking like that big of a jerk for bringing it up. But we um, were talking Robins and Batman and stuff, so that makes sense. Who's Sophie Keen? Um, this is the little girl who's in Dark Knight Rises, correct? Yes, sir. Um, I'm sorry, I, I might be wrong on the name, but no, because I, I read the like the interview, but I'm like I don't remember the name either. So, um, you're talking about the one where she kind of made mention where she's playing a young Tally Al Ghul, right? Yes. Yeah. And you understand what that means. <laughs> it, it, what it means in terms of back then broadcast lexicon. It means way back in the day. I know. When we, we said which two female characters would appear in the Dark Knight Rises, and we said, uh-huh. and I, Chris said, Talia al Ghul and Catwoman. That's correct. So Christopher Roy is the winner of that argument, so I think somebody owes him beer. <laughs> what? Wait, who we, you, we make so many bets. It's who did John and I say? Uh, yeah, we wanted to actually talk to you. I wanted to talk to you guys about your gambling problem. <laughs> Wait, what's worse is it's... But, but I do remember that, and uh, I, I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember that I agreed with, with Chris, mm-hmm. and uh, it turned out that we were the ones that were correct, that it would be Catwoman and uh, Talia, so... Good on us, I know we're we're on top of it. It seems like that would always be the logical thing, though. Yeah, I'd we like to go back. And, do you know what episode that was? You know what? What what Paul chose? What John? What John chose would have been great. It just so happens that we chose what Christopher Nolan chose. I mean, mm-hmm. so I mean, it doesn't make us what, better. What did John choose? What did I choose? John doesn't remember. Yeah, uh, John chose uh, Catwoman and um, Vicky Vale. No. Uh, somebody chose Vicky Vale and Catwoman. That's that, gotta be Paul. That might have been me. It might have been Paul, but I do know that it was Chris and I that were correct, because Chris was the one I agreed with. But then, who did John choose? I don't remember. You know, that was a long time ago. He chose uh, Amy Winehouse. I just know that Chris and I were correct. Um, I do have it written down in my notebook, so I might have the issue, or the episode number to let you know. If you yeah, want to the issues. You guys are the issues. But um, just to go back to what Ethan says, yes, we do have a gambling problem, and it's coupled with a drinking problem, which makes it doubly worse. Yeah. I have no problems with it. Yeah, I yeah. enjoy what we drink most of the time, uh, including this time, right now. What Awesome segue, Paul. What are, we, what are we drinking, John? We have another beer from Sierra Nevada. Um, 
they could not nail it with their holiday winter seasonal. Um, but the I, celebration sucked. Uh, but they are they are coming really close uh, to a top notch beer with their ruthless rye IPA. Um, you always expect uh, hoppy from them, especially mm-hmm. after their celebration. How killer hoppy it was! I know Skyrim has all the dragons, but that celebration had all the hops. <laughs> they, they did that one just. Um, and you're looking at probably. One of the better rise we've had in a long time. Uh, Chris and I are always out to try to find a good rye, and it's hard to find them. Yeah. Honestly, Was this a good beer, though? It's very good. Um, we had this a couple days ago, just like around, because John picked it up for the podcast and just to have with dinner. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot more now than I enjoyed it the other night. I don't know like why. Is um, there a proof? Or the, is there a proof? What proof is it? Uh... Let me see. I'm on untapped right now. That's good enough. Um, it's six point six. Oh, that's, that's all right. So it's not bad. Um, I, I'm looking this up. I'm actually on um untapped, which is an app that Paul brought to our attention. It's basically like a Foursquare or a Get Glue for beers, where you can check in and you unlock badges. Um, it's not the best interface. It's kind of slow. Also, I I kind of want to find a better app. I like it. My, mine's updated and it's a lot better now. Okay. I've been with it for a couple hours. What I've seen so far has been satisfactory for a couple hours. Yeah, I mean, it's got everything you want. Like, I'm surprised there's beers in here that yeah. I was like, oh, well, I'm surprised that's there. Um, I went to a concert last night, and there's this small brewery in Rochester called Pyramid. I've never even heard of them before. Um, they're kind of like the house... Like, Sounds like a scheme to me. Oh, uh, they're like the house brewery <laughs> of the was like, venue I was at. Uh, I'm going to look to see if they have Boulevard... I mean, uh, yeah, Boulevard Brewery, our our little brewery. And but they had that. they had everything from Pyramid there, which I was like, wow, surprising. Yeah, that's nice. I I've been I've been enjoying it. I enjoy this first little ride. Um, <laughs> <take it on. laughs> topic. It gets us back on topic. It does have a little bit of that ryeness on the back mid palate and the back end. It's not overly you know alcoholic bite. And it's definitely an IPA, though. Like, yeah. you definitely get that dryness no. that's associated with it, but not the pine needle dryness. You get just the rye kind of masks that all. It, it, ha- it kind of has that lingering hoppiness. Mm-hmm. Like, you get that rye. You kind of get, you get the rye on the front of your tongue, the hops in the middle, and then you yeah. get the rye in the back after yeah. you've swallowed it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, over, I, I mean, it's a very... I you guys to give me a uh, lesson on what all that means, because... I don't really know what the back and the middle and the so on. Just like, yeah, like it hangs on the back of your tongue. Like you yeah. have that, just like that. I just ate a piece of rye toast. It's like stuck in the back of my throat almost. It just, just like it, it lingers. Like I can still feel it. Yeah, you can still taste it in your mouth, but mostly you exactly. kind of have it in the back of your mouth. Um, I'm really enjoying this. I liked it the other day. I'm kind of sad that I uh, didn't rate it higher on Untapped. I gave it a four out of five. Now I'm like, you know what? I you're going to give it a five I, out of five. I really like this as wow. far as rise goes. I, like, I really like it too, but I, I give it a four out of five. I'm like, stingy I, with my fives. <clears throat> this is why we the, don't rate things normally. On the way I, the way I look at it, at five is I would search this out. I would look for this at like a store or like if I go to a pub. It's uh, it, it's hard to find. From um, what Aaron tried to find down south, I've only seen a couple stores that have it. And it has to be just commonplace in California, though. But uh, they do have um, one of their big um, eighteen packs of it because they're oh. bigger than 
Sierra Nevada puts out bigger than 12 facts, I think. Huh. Now, Sierra Nevada Brewery, where is that located? It's uh, California. Okay. That's something that is all over the place here, and for the podcast tonight, I did go out and look, and look for this one, and I couldn't find it, and I found that. It is something. brand new. It is new. It is new. Yeah, um, 2012. And they're also one of the oldest microbrews... Mm-hmm. microbreweries around and one that survived. This and, like, Sam Adams are the, the big boys that have lasted yeah, for I, I do know that over 20 Sierra years. Yeah, I do know that like it's like the bottom wrong IPA that I grabbed. I don't really feel like researching it and figuring out. I mean, it's just like, it's a good, solid IPA for yeah. me. And I, I told my mom about this and she couldn't find it. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes to Wegmans, like, where he bought it. Yeah. Like, she couldn't find it. Sometimes it's hard to find something that will fit what you want at that moment. Man, that's what she said. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you're looking for a beer, and, and you know, to fit that niche. And sometimes, like what we're doing right now, is trying to find that actor or actress to fit that role in the comic books. What? I'm trying to. I'm trying to be subtle. I can't hear you. I know. That's why I was mouthing the words, Paul. No. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I was trying to be nice and like say, like, hey, Paul, would you like to let our guests go first? Since it, this is their baby. This, this is their this baby. This is their baby. And they are more than welcome to go first. And, and, and show us how it's done. And Aaron has said this is more our baby than their baby now. And if we want to take this as a yeah. normal segment. Um, and uh, Ethan is a last-minute addition to tonight's segment. Because uh, this is something I was talking to John about uh, three or four days ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said, you know, and he said, we're going to be doing a casting couch of, you know, like some of our favorite comic books into movies. And my immediate thought was 1602, was Marvel 1602. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is funny because I am not a Marvel guy. I mean, I don't mind Marvel, but I'm primarily a DC fan. Back when we were actually doing casting couch on the show, one thing I always thought was when we were we were trying to come up with things to, to, to do casting couch on was uh, DC Comics uh, really lends itself more to movie-esque stories. I mean, there's like Tower of Fable would be a great one. And, yeah. You know, all their Elseworlds tales, and, and they have a lot more uh, more self-contained uh, uh, graphic novels and stories like that than Marvel does. Now, not to insult the comic book people, on the other end of Skype here, but you guys have all read 1602, right? Yes. yes. And uh, uh, the, first the, the one. thing I yeah. came up with, between Ethan and I, we have 27 characters cast. Wow. <laughs> no, but it, it <laughs> is a big book. Yes. Yeah. It is one of those books where they were like, uh, we want to show everybody in this universe now. And I feel like a lot of that comes from the fact that it was written by Neil Gaiman, who loves doing just like big ensemble books almost. Uh-huh. And when I look at 1602, the character that jumps out to me as like as a central character, the one that you want to make, uh, you know, your lead character, and I saw that as it's uh, Sir Nicholas Fury. Would you guys right. agree or yeah. entirely yeah. disagree or no? Yeah, on that? yeah, that's where everything happens around him. Well, it, yeah. it would either be it, it would either be Nicholas Fury or it'd be Virginia Dare, and I think like oh, placing yeah. it around Virginia Dare would be lame. And so, yeah. you know, you, uh, when you go see a comic book movie, you don't go see it for, like, the, the arbitrary historical connections. You go see it for the comic book characters. Um, this is one that I had, uh, uh, Ethan came over, like, an hour ago or whatever, and I, and I gave him a list of our, of our 
cast things. And I said that, you know, some of them I'm open for discussion on, some of them I'm, you know, rock solid, I will not change it, you can put a gun to my head. And uh, when I went to cast uh, Nicholas Fury, Sir Nicholas Fury, um, in terms of the 1602 universe, he was the, the, the Queen's intelligencer. And yeah. he was responsible to uh, follow the plots against the monarch and etc. Right? And so I really wanted a solid, solid character for this, and I decided to go with uh, Gabriel Byrne. Now, is anybody besides myself familiar with him? Yes. Mm-hmm. I have not. You John says yes. Oh, yeah. Gabriel Byrne. You're the podcast. Just, just leave. You seriously have heard of Gabriel Byrne, Chris? I have not. John has. Um, uh, Chris, have you seen uh, Usual Suspects? Yeah. He played Keaton. Oh, okay. I, yeah. He yeah. is... Uh, now, back He's in the day when we started... him up, uh, Gabriel Byrne was one of the first names we came up with. Yeah, and he's a guy that has really sort of fallen off the map in the last ten years. And well, no, I mean, he did um, he did In Treatment, the HBO series. Mm-hmm. I never saw that. Which is uh, phenomenal. Now, is that a horrible choice? Is it a good choice? What are you guys thinking at this point? No, I, I think that's a good choice because he kind of has that, like, age finding. He's not, I don't want to say he's old, but, like, he's, there's I, a, the he, experience almost. Yeah, and um, he can definitely play a heavy... Um, what's the um, what's the Coen Brothers movie that uh, he's in? The the Miller's Irish Crossing. He was yeah. fantastic in that. Yeah, Miller's Crossing. Yeah, he played a great tough guy with smarts behind it. Yeah. Oh yeah. He looks like William Defoe. He doesn't look anything like no. William Defoe. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't look anything like <laughs> him. remotely. No. No. I mean, uh, Gabriel Burns, tall and dark. William Defoe is shorter and. Yeah, I mean, and I that picture, I can see it. Like it's the nose and like the yeah, yeah. lines. Yeah, I think there's just a and, shadow. Uh, moving on, uh, this is one that I, I feel like I should be presenting instead of Ethan because I'm the one that's seen like the thing that. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, it, I, I'm the one that's seen the one that you know, I'm basing this uh, the casting off of. I, I think that if. Fury is the main, most important character in this. I think that the second most important character would be Doctor Stephen Strange. Yes, yeah. or, or or Doctor Strange if you follow Marvel at all. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you've read David Tennant, really, really wacky character, this is mm-hmm. and it, it probably wouldn't translate itself to film. Well, I mean, it, I didn't think it translated itself that well to comic books. I think it might translate itself pretty well to uh, uh, to film. And for this one, this one where, you know, like, I'm pretending like I'm the producer and I'm the director, and I'm looking at that list that is generated by box office uh, results and awards and et cetera. And so I decided I wanted to cast uh, uh, Stephen Strange as uh, none other than Jean Dujardin. And I know none of you know who that is, but he is the lead actor from The uh, Artist. It's a movie that is uh, very hot right now on the awards circuit. And uh, he just won a, a Golden Globe for his performance in a comedy and musical Best Actor. Uh, he's a French actor, and he's one of those actors that doesn't just read what's on the page. He's really good at working with, with what's within the ether. I mean, I know I'm being all gay. Oh, I know him. Sorry. He's a fantastic actor. It's probably the best movie I've seen this year. And um. it's... Uh, he's one of those actors that, I, I was just saying it earlier, he doesn't work with just what's on the page, but he works with what's on, you know, in the ether of the movie. You know, meaning like, uh, you know, he looks at, like, what people are saying, the reactions to stuff, the, you know, the, the feeling and the, the, the spirit of the scene that's going on, and you really need somebody that's 
that's certainly aware of what's going on beyond the script and certainly beyond the screen for somebody that would be playing the Sorcerer Supreme like Stephen Strange. So I was actually relatively proud of that choice because I think that he could play a, a solid uh, Doctor Strange, and I think that especially if they made a, you know, a Doctor Strange movie, or at least if they got to the point of casting in the next six months or so, I think that'd be a really good choice. So that's why I picked him as Doctor Strange. I really... I know you guys don't know him, but, um, I mean, do you have any, you know, gut reactions to who should play him? No, I... I, I, I agree, because, you know what, I really enjoyed him in the uh, OSS uh, 117 movies. Uh-huh. Um, I don't, have you seen those? Yeah. Those so, like, really the good. 1960s, like, kind of... Bond-esque? No, 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 Chris. That wasn't him. Are you sure? What's no, this guy's is, name? Yeah, that is. No, he's in those. Like, three. No, what, what's his name? Has set 117. Lost in Reno. Uh, Rio was uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes. They're they're like spoofs of those 1960s. Yeah. yeah. They had that similar feel. Not, not yeah, it wasn't actually were. filmed then, but... Um, no, because like, as soon as I saw this picture, I was like, holy crap, it's... What uh, was that? Um, Herbert Bonsieur de Labasse. He he was fantastic in those. Um, and I'm sorry, that's all I know him from. But I actually got both of those off of Netflix. And that's a really good movie. But I also expect that when we come out of the Oscar season, he's going to have a couple of more accolades. And I still stand firm that I think the artist is going to take that take best picture at the Oscars. I don't. I think it's a smart move, but I also think that you know it's it's logical, and I think he could play the the, the shit out of the part. I think it'd be. I think it's a. I think it's a home run. I think it's it's a really good cast. I yeah, only win the Oscars because it's a silent ballot. I know, I'm not well, a big. You know what? There, there's so much stuff that goes into Oscars, and I, I, I get what you're doing. You're trying to be funny. <laughs> there, there's so much. It is stuff Paul that goes into the always Oscars. trying to be funny, not succeeding. No, but trying. I mean, no, I mean, Paul, you're you're hilarious. <laughs> no, I'm not a big movie guy, but um, I love the uh, OSS movie so much that now that I know he's in the artist, this is something that I would see. Like, It's fascinating. Before it's this... fascinating in the same aspect of something like, you know, like how you look at a movie like Avatar or something that's like the, like the top of your technological achievements. I mean, this is at the bottom of those achievements. And it's fun to look at a movie like this that's been made after the point of you know these, you know, these great achievements in film and that somebody actually just goes at it bare bones and has a... Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, just like a really bare bones experience, or excuse me, bare bones um, production. I mean, it, it's fun in that aspect, and it's also a really good movie. That's a good story. I, I, I kind of want to see it now. I'm. I'm yeah, it's worth it. it looks like it's got a good cast. John Goodman's in it. Um, the guy from Babe. We know the, the, the dad, like the yeah. father, the farmer. Okay, I couldn't think of his name. I could just think of him from Cromwell. Yeah, Cromwell. Yeah, uh, James Cromwell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I, I hand it off to Ethan, so that this isn't just me hijacking it. He's going to move on to somebody I haven't cast yet. Uh, well, if we're just going down the list right now, uh, sure. next one I've got on the list is uh, uh, Peter Parkwa. Mm-hmm. Oh. Was uh, the, the the orphan boy who was obviously the the analog for Spider Man? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, Eric had someone else ca- uh, cast for it, and I uh, I came in and, and, and changed it. I uh, liked it better. Uh, the, the one I've chosen for it is Joel Courtney, and he was the main kid in Super 8. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It was a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you know we all had different opinions <clears throat> of what we thought about the movie in terms of like leading into it. Mm-hmm. I know Ethan and I loved that movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was such a good movie. And I think that he can really hold the movie together. 
And, and and the trick with this movie is we're casting so many damn characters, mm-hmm. but and you have somebody like Peter Parkwalk. You have to be able to afford some of them, I well, suppose. That's beside, <laughs> especially on, on Joel Courtney. I mean, that's beside the point. But uh, with man, he's fantastic in Super Eight. Oh, he, he just he is. I mean, he he made that he made it such an empathetic role. Yeah. And uh, if Peter Parkwad does not become Spider-Man in the course of sixteen or two, I think he might at the very end. And, yeah. they, and they made you know books after that point. Well, what I like yeah. about sixteen or two is they had a lot of a lot of uh, uh, things that sort of pointed at him for various sure. things, like the spider coming down and very. I, I really like that. And that was yeah. the thing about sixteen or two. I mean, there's a lot of like the ha ha ha. That's really Iron Man, but you know, I mean, it was good stuff. I mean, it's that's a good mm-hmm. one. Uh, what, what was your next choice? Uh, well, the next one we got on here is. Let me go ahead and do Murdoch. Who's Murdoch? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's my uh, choice. Yeah. The the here. next choice we got on here is uh, Matt Murdoch, Matthew Murdoch, a, who who in the story is the the blind Irish minstrel, uh, who's a freelance agent, um, who is also obviously the analog of yeah, who's Daredevil. Who's Daredevil. Um, and Aaron went ahead and cast Eric Stoltz in the role. Reactions none. Portal. What? Um, I I recognize the name. I have to. Eric. Well, he was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Okay. He was the drug dealer in Pulp Fiction. But the oh, yeah. But the thing that made me cast him was his role from the Prophecy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the fallen angel, and he and he played a... Uh, I, I, it's, I, it's been a while since I've seen those movies, but it seemed like he was blinded in those movies at some point. And, uh, you know, I would basically... I mean, I mean, call me a butthead, but you know, I was going off a of hair color here, but I also was looking for that kind of downtrodden down on his luck kind of character, and I do think that Eric Stoltz plays that role. Really. Uh, you know who I think would be great is um, Jack Weber. Um, okay. You would know him as uh, Michael in Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Oh, yeah. Like, I like as soon as I saw him in Dawn of the Dead, I was like, that guy should play Daredevil. Like, to no, me, yeah, he's got I a great that, look yeah. for that. So, I mean, that's a good one. That is a good one. It's a real good one. All right, I'm going to go ahead and move on to one I, I did a choice on. Uh, and uh, we're looking at Clea Strange, who's uh, Stephen Strange's wife and assistant. This I was proud of Ethan on this one. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, I came in and changed it, and, and we're sort of you know patting our heads around trying to figure out one. And, and, and bear I in mind, I, I cast thirty characters. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so, like, I, I saw a movie with this person in it, so she's got a vagina. Yeah. So let's have a <laughs> Strange. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I decided to, you know, with Clea being uh, being with with Doctor Strange and whatnot, she's. I wanted someone some sort of otherworldly and weird and and whatnot. So I went with Juliet Landau, okay, who was Drusilla from uh, Buffy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's such a good choice. No, because yeah, it does work. Um, just throw a white wig on her. Yeah, and I, I can see that. Not a big option, no. problem, I think. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I think she can play it. Obviously, she played Drusilla very, very, you know, very ethereal well. and very weird and very and I think spacey. She can bring a really cool, uh, a really cool uh, uh, aspect to Clea, um, especially given the, uh, the the period 1602 and the costumes and all that. I think she just, I think, excel at it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that like that's a prime pick. That would be a good one. Um, and, and I was saying earlier how this gave me an awful lot of uh, sympathy for people who have made movies and have to have made you know, artistic choices about why they would or would not include certain things and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is one of the ones that really, uh, where I'm going, is something that really leads me into that argument because 6.2, I mean, it deals with characters 
that would be part of both the Marvel Universe and the Fox Universe, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, at, at this point, I'm going to be lead, uh, leading into uh, to the characters that are part of what would be known as the Witch Breed, mm-hmm. or the Mutants, the X-Men. Uh, these are two of my proudest castings out of this entire... Actually, one of them is probably my most proudest casting of my history of casting. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that includes casting Clint Eastwood as old Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond. And I was so proud of that one. But I have two of these, and I'm going to go with uh, 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 the, the Carlos Javier. Basically, he's your analog of Professor X. Uh, he was a Spanish character. You know, basically, the same idea as what you have uh, from Professor X, but, you know, it's set several hundred years in the future, and it's, I mean, there's some differences going on. Uh, this one I like a lot. It's not my proudest one, but I decided to go with Hector Elizondo. Do you guys know who he is? No. I, I, I'm recognizing the names. Pretty woman. <laughs> yeah, he was the, he was the, ma- he was the maitre d', or... Uh, no, the concierge, excuse me, at, uh, in, in oh. Pretty Woman, but he also he voiced Bane in uh, Batman Mystery of the Batwoman. If you looked up a picture of him... He was in uh, Chicago Hope, right? Chica- uh, he's a Puerto Rican actor. I was going for a Spanish actor, but a uh, Puerto Rican, I mean, no he, offense to Spanish people, but Puerto Rican is close enough in this case. Uh, he has that wisdom, he has that age, and he would be able to pull that off. So yeah. it's a... It's a pretty good casting, and I like that one quite a bit. No, looking so, at him, I can see that, because it works. I mean, do you recognize him from other stuff? Yeah, I, I've seen him. It's, you know, like, uh, he was in Chicago Hope, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he carries that gravity, he carries that authority that you would need for a character like, well, I mean, in this case, uh, Carlos Javier, but it's Professor X. And uh, moving on to my proudest casting, and I might be, everyone might be like, you're out of your damn mind, but uh, it's Grand Inquisitor Enrique, who is uh, the 1602 of, of Eric Magnaglin, sure. Uh, in, in this one, I was trying to look at my casting, I, I, I cast uh, I cast uh, uh, Javier first, but I was trying to look at somebody that was at least comparable in age, and uh, would have like that darkness that you need, obviously, for a character like Magneto. Um, and with this one, I decided to go with an actor by the name of Scott Glenn. Is anybody besides me aware of who that is? No. I, I will when I look him up on IMDb. Yes, I like see him, is. probably. Did you see, uh, did you see Silence of the Lambs? Yes. Uh, what was this character's name? Uh, he, he's the, uh, he's the FBI. He's the uh, director yeah, movie. And he's, he's a supervising agent. He is such an incredible actor. Oh, okay. He oh. He was also a sucker punch. He, yeah, he was the... Um, I don't have to call him in Sucker Punch, but like almost like the narrator, kind of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he was the badass in Sucker Punch. Yeah, there uh, we go. He's a really good actor that doesn't get a whole lot of credit, but I, I think that he could pull off a character like Magneto. I mean, obviously, you know, when you have yeah. you know, your Michael Fassbenders and your Ian McKellen's, those are fantastic actors, but I, I do think that somebody like Scott Glenn could pull off a character of this magnitude. Uh, yeah, Scott Glenn, he's um, he's a good actor, but I, for that character, you just need somebody with just so much gravitas. Somebody who's just gonna Scott Glenn's got more gravitas. Overpower it. I don't know. I just think of him in that horrible like mesh shirt from Urban Cowboy. See, don't hold that against him. It's a single role in like a huge <laughs> And I, I, I get where you're getting. I mean, it, sometimes it is hard to make it past people's low points, but this guy's had some good movies in his career. Good movies. 
So, are right. you still there? Yeah, yeah. still here. We're, we're waiting for your next pick. Real quiet all of a sudden. Yeah, you guys are like, man, you're full of shit. Scott Glenn sucks, and fuck you for choosing him. <laughs> hey, this right, is your casting. Uh, let's talk some witch breed, shall we? Yeah. Um, obviously, being the uh, the analog for the X Men, um, uh, I, I did all of uh, I, I did uh, the the five of them, you know. So Roberto, Scottius, Hal, uh, Werner, and John, or quote unquote John, actually Gene. Um, I uh, I sort of did these uh, uh, running in at the last minute, and uh, the the one I'm sort of iffy on is my casting for Werner, which is a, a just a, a really unknown British actor named Sam Crane. Um, I honestly had thrown him on there like uh, about two minutes ago, so uh, it's 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 not a big part. So we'll just move on. <laughs> um, I uh, went ahead and cast uh, Roberto, uh, who is their analog, I believe, for uh, for uh, oh gosh, uh, Iceman, um, as uh, Alex Pettifer, who was uh, the main guy in I Am Number Four. I didn't see that. I wanted to, but I just never made it out to the uh, the theater to see it. He, he's a young face, and I was like, "We'll throw a young face in there." <laughs> uh, now the last three here, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit more proud of. Uh, uh, going yeah, in, do bear in mind that Ethan had like 15 minutes to get this yeah. ready. Um, meaning to cast uh, John Gray, uh, being Jean Gray. Uh, Aaron did point out that it needs to be someone we can uh, sort of buy off as being sort of a man, uh, but also. Jean Grey, you know, pretty supper real nice. Um, and I, I decided to go with Jennifer Lawrence. I know she played Mystique in uh, in First Class, but yeah, she's right. she's a fantastic actress, and I think uh, uh, throw some makeup on her and uh, uh, cut her hair. I think she'll be pretty good. I mean, did you see uh, Winter's Bone? That's I did. I thought yeah, it was uh, a real uh, good movie. Uh, I didn't uh, think it deserved its Oscar nomination. Uh, it's a though. pretty good masculine performance by yeah. her, honestly. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's a very good choice because um, she's not like overly beautiful. She's an attractive woman, so she can play that more homely kind of boy look, and then, as you say, yeah. get gussied up and sort of pull off that tomboy type of thing that she needs for John Gray. Yeah. Um, and then uh, going into casting Hal, uh, Hal McCoy, since he's the beast, I mean, he's obviously going to be under under some heavy makeup and, and whatnot. Uh, I ended up casting a 30-some-year-old actor for this, um, and I went with uh, John uh, Bernthal. I like that. Who uh, Who is Shane on The Walking Dead. I really like that. Oh, yeah. Bernthal. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good choice. Um, and then the final one I, I put in for, for Scottius, and you know, Scottius needs to sort of have that playfulness, but also be able to put on the serious face. Have that know? dark side. Yeah. Have that dark side. And sort of, what, um, the, sort of what, what embodied that to me, have any of you guys seen the British series Misfits? Yes. yes. Okay. I know exactly uh, where you're going. On that. Uh, yes. uh, Ewan uh, Rion, I yeah. think is his name. And Simon. Uh, the, the guy who plays Simon, he's got he's got a good physique, quite frankly. You are without a shirt in the show. It's luscious. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, social outcast and whatnot in the show, but I, I think he'd make a good, believable it. leader for uh, in in Scottius in Cyclops. Uh, I think that's probably like the best choice you've guys of, of your casting. Oh yeah. Like when we were reading comic books in the nineties, Scott Summerfield. Oh. Yeah, he was, was a, a horrible. He was a pain. Like he kicks yeah. ass the last ten years. So. so what we've got on here is obviously the big roles of uh, Rojas and of course uh, and of course Thor. Um, what we wanted to do is still firmly uh, establish that yes, this is sixteen oh two. It's an alternate universe, quote unquote, for Marvel. 
Uh, but we wanted to still link it into the shared universe that the movies have. So, of course, we wanted to go with Chris Hemsworth as Thor with the, with ton, a good ton of makeup on him, you know, try to make him as unrecognizable as possible. And then, of course, shadows. Yeah, and, like and then also uh, Chris Evans as uh, as Rojas, as, as Steve Rogers from... Uh, Rajas. As Rajas. I still don't know how you'd go about yeah. doing that. Yeah, it's, it's a bizarre spelling. But I'm glad that you guys took into account, like, that shared universe, because, yeah, these are the analogs for those characters. Yeah. And, and by that rationale, this would never get made into a movie. No. Ever. <laughs> it, it, it'd be interesting. It'd be cool if somebody's brave enough to yeah. do it. I think it'll be, but, but it's so... That it's, uh, it's the, when this came out, what, 2006? Uh-huh. It was... Uh, who was it that said it? Time Magazine called it the worst comic book. Well, I think it was 2003, but the worst comic oh, yeah. book to come out in 2003. See, I don't and think I so. I was say, wow, because that was a pretty... I liked it. I mean, yeah, it was so much fun. Comic books, but I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah I mean, you have, like, Gaming and Cubert together... And I mean, yeah, it's a very insular book, but it was kind of meant to be. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that was the that was the charm of it. And yeah. Yeah, anyone who grew up on those books would be is is just like in awe of like, oh, like, wow, that's awesome that they did that or they did this. That was, uh, oh yeah, so cool. But that's all we got for you guys. Yeah, please, please continue. Let's <laughs> not suck anymore. <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, we all have uh, picked some of our favorite our favorite books for this, and when you think of people who absolutely love a book, you think Paul, and you think Starman. And what? Yes, I think that often. That's, that's what you guys think? That's what you think. When you Starman. say, like, oh, what's somebody, like, what's your favorite book, or what do you think to- he would I like? I totally think Paul is Starman. I do, too. And it stirs, uh, the book is all about uh, a son... Of the classic Golden Age hero, Starman, that uh, becomes Starman and, and on his first day is shot. And then his younger brother has to take up the mantle because uh, this old enemy from his father's past is out to kill them all. And he's the only one left, basically, to protect his family, to protect what's left of his family, which is him and his dad. And... Uh, so you got this reluctant hero, Jack Knight, who's, you know, it's definitely in that kind of 90s vibe uh, of an edgy kind of guy with piercings and tattoos. tattoos. And, and he basically runs a uh, old a, uh, antique shop. Consignment shop, yeah. A, a, a pawn shop, a uh, antique shop. Um, and so I'm thinking of somebody younger, like in their 20s, early 30s. And somebody that can play somebody with a little bit of an edge. And I don't watch much TV or much. They don't go out to see many movies. But what I do watch is a lot of Gilmore Girls. And uh, I also watched Heroes. So, and somebody that is interested in comics because they came out with their own comics. Uh, so it might take up this role. Is Milo Ventimiglia. I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> On, on Red Phone Zone, issue number zero, I cast him as Dick Grayson. Oh, yes. But because he is trained in Eskrima. Hmm. Those little fighting stick things. That's... Yeah. I want to watch Heroes now. It, it's a bit Vitmalia, but it's all right. Vitmalia. And, well, he can definitely use that with his uh, fighting with the Cosmic Rod. So it, right. it would work yeah. out pretty well. It's a good choice. It's a real good choice. Uh, for his older brother, that only appears in flashbacks, really, and also to kind of die. And I would think it would be great if they actually had this movie and they had it headlined by this guy. 
and they just don't tell anybody. Like the that he whole gets thing. shot right in the yeah, first right in the first scene. Uh, I went with a bigger named actor, uh, somebody who's recently tried to get into the action kind of movies with Predators, and because the song gets stuck in my head, thank you, internets, Adrian Brody. <laughs> Gotta be award winner, Adrian. This Academy Award winner. He, he amazed me in Predators. He was a ripped, crazy monster in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, he ate that. I was like, they announced he was gonna be in it, I'm like, the pianist? Yeah. It, it just yeah, doesn't make like, holy crap! But he yeah. can also play those really tender moments that you get in the flashbacks with Starman. It's one of those yeah. really great things. And kind I, of that brotherly, mm-hmm. ca- that brotherly character. And for whatever reason, I can see them as brothers. Like Brody really could definitely pull that, pull emotion out of that. He could play anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the old, a old man uh, of the group, <clears throat> uh, the one that was the former hero and is now kind of. You know, just a scientist uh, living out his last days. Uh, Ted Knight. I went with William H. Macy. I love Bill Macy. Yeah. 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 He's, he's great. He's one of the best actors ever. With, with uh, Ted Knight, you need to have a guy that can actually make you feel bad about every choice that you've ever made in your life. And he seems like he could put that on yeah. rather thick. Uh, William H. Macy is one of those actors who can play every... Anything. Yeah. He really can. He's he's a phenomenal character actor. And to have him... He's completely shameless. To have him be able to play um, not just like uh, a father who can do some action <laughs> parts, but also he's somebody that you never want disappointed in yeah. you. Yeah. And for those, exactly. for, those movie, for those moments where he's disappointed in uh-huh. Jack... Like, yeah, it'll yeah, hit home. It'll, it'll really hit home where you're like, that guy really fucked up. Mm-hmm. He's really upset. I am, uh, technically I'm only really casting the, maybe the first, like, four or five issues of the series, you know, the whole... So you got 30 characters. Right. <laughs> the whole Jack Knight becoming Starman and defeating, you know, the person that killed his brother, you know. Because right. only crazy movie people do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. And the person that killed his brother, uh, on his first day out was, uh, Kyle, Son of the Mist, the Golden Age villain of, uh, Starman. Uh, and I thought of some. It, he's portrayed as somebody really tall and brooding, like just has this presence on the page. And I went with Mark Strong because yep. he, you know from Sherlock. Thought, before we started doing this, Ethan lamented that we didn't have anywhere to stick Mark Strong because he's one of our favorite actors. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Don't worry, there'll be one of those actors coming up. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, uh, That's a great choice too because he can mm-hmm. play that. Psychotic kind of thing, and then have those moments where his sister, you know, mm-hmm. with his sister, with his sister, and tender. And I needed somebody talking about his sister Nash, uh, who starts off as a very kind of weird. Uh, she has a really bad stutter, and then comes into her own and becomes this really evil, twisted villain. Uh, I went with Christina Ricci. <laughs> You love Christina. Loves Christina. I love Christina Ricci, and you know I'm like thinking of a girl that can play somebody that is completely off. And, and Christina Ricci works there. She can play the off person, and you know she definitely has a darker tenor to some of her. I, I, I'd have to agree with Paul. I think that's a good choice. Oh yeah, it it is. I cannot. Good job, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot what. Have you seen Pumpkin? Yes. 
I have seen Pumpkin. It's one of his wife's favorite movies. I cannot recognize Christina Ricci as a talent because of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've done other movies that have been very good, but I think I, she... I, I just re- I mean, and it, it's it it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but I just have so much hate for that movie. And I saw Black Snake Moan. Does I like Black Snake Moan. <laughs> Pumpkin was just ungood in the ball, bad, bad. Movie. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but I also think she has some uh, uh, some pull now. Is Pan Am still on? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, then maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'm like, well, this might get some people in their seats. No, the girl from Pan Am, but uh, maybe not. Uh, but Talking about girls that are on television shows that might have some pull. Uh, Hope O'Dare kind of plays as a romantic uh, side for one of the characters in the movie. Uh, she's a cop, a redheaded cop of the illustrious O'Dare family in Opal City. Uh, so she's she is definitely the love interest, but also a very strong female character. So I went with Christina Hendricks. Mm. She's yummy. She's just delicious. I'll cast yeah. Her as my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Two pillows. Um. <laughs> I, I love Christina Hendricks. I love, and she'd be great for that role. And her you brother know. is a fellow podcaster. Yep. Huh. Have you had him on? No. You should try. But uh, Christina Hendricks has done, uh, you know, nerd roles before. She was in Firefly Saffron, and she also did the voice of Lois Lane in All-Star Superman. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. She the did. Directed I never saw that. I was forgot about that. that. Mm-hmm. It's okay. All right. I like okay. So, you know, so I think she might not turn it down. <laughs> uh, playing her okay. brother. I'm kind of I'm going to, like, consolidate the other two, or actually three uh, O'Dares. Because honestly, we wouldn't get into the whole history of one of them being scalp, the scalp hunter, and all this other stuff, and just go with one other of the brothers, and that would be Clarence O'Dare, who has probably the closest relationship uh, in the Starman uh, first issues. And I casted uh, Scott Patterson. Uh, nobody will know what that who that guy is. He played Luke Danes on uh, Gilmore Girls. And he's also done a lot of the animated voice work. Um, I, I like Gilmore. Was he the rich boyfriend? No. Oh, he no. was the diner owner. Yeah. Oh, so he's kind of, he looks like he could be played a cop. And he was also in one of the uh, song he movies. He has played a cop. He, yeah. yeah, he was in the song movies. He played yeah. the FBI agent. He played an FBI agent. In the, and he also did the voice of King Faraday in the animated cartoon sh- shows for Justice League. So he has a connection with the DC Universe at yeah. Um... And also, I'm like, ah, who could play a cop? And I'm like, oh, this guy can play a cop. And, you know, kind of has a reddish hair. Maybe. Not really. <laughs> I don't know. I'm colorblind. Um, <laughs> While he's colorblind, he's, he's using it to his advantage now. He's supposed to have this thing called hair dye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he doesn't have much hair, though. So, But I think he's a... things called wigs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I really don't think it would matter much. I just like him as a... Uh, as a character actor, you know, I, I think he'd be fun there. Um, and I'm almost wrapping up. Uh, probably my proudest uh, casting is uh, the Mist himself, the old Golden Age villain. Just old, he looks decrepit, and uh, just looks insane with long, straggly hair. And when I think long, straggly hair and old person, I think Nick Nolte. <laughs> 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 um, that guy looks crazy. 
And even just from the Hulk, that first Eric Bana Hulk movie, I'm like, this guy's nuts. Yeah. He can play the mist. <laughs> I, I like that movie, too. Yeah. I, I, I like that movie when the Hulk like shows up. Talking yeah. old man scraggly hair, I'm yeah, thinking... Uh, he nailed it as far as Nick Nolte is yeah. concerned. No, no, the other one coming to mind for me is Richard O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see uh, Bill Nye. Bill Nye, yeah, maybe, but... I don't know what kind of English accent he would have. Yeah. Unlike the Shade, who I would imagine has the old Victorian or English accent. <laughs> and when I think English accent that plays somebody that can be dark and brooding, but also, like, take you under the wing and teach you something, uh, there's only one person that comes to mind. And that's the Independent. <laughs> because I, I, when I when Chris walked in today to do the podcast, I'm like, so who did you cast David Tennant as? I'm not even knowing which book he's doing yeah, because. Did you ever get your Sonic screwdriver? Not, not yet. I haven't had a chance to order it. As soon as you do, your life is going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't work on wood. <laughs> oh. I don't even know what that means. You cut out for a second. I did. Yeah. Okay. Good job. Yeah, it doesn't work on wood. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's that is everybody. Um, the shade being that dark kind of villain that turns hero helper. I like David Tennant. And I just felt like ah, it's a nerd podcast, and we have to cast David Tennant as something. And I'm glad you guys came on and casted David Tennant yourselves, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'll show up in all of ours. Uh, in in my movie. Um, I'm taking uh, a classic Matt uh, Wagner um, comic book, one that he uh, wrote and put out basically himself. Um, The Mage, Hero Discovered. Basically, kind of a modern-day telling of the King Arthur story. Um, The Mage character of Kevin Matchstick is supposed to be Arthur. Um, Mirth, who's kind of a wizard who comes on to help him, um, along this journey is supposed to be um, uh, Merlin and then uh, the people that help him and the people he's up against um, are the, the people that are casted in for Kevin Matchstick the kind of reluctant hero um, I went with um, Thomas Jane someone who I know who can I mean he's got some good acting chops he can, he can, he can do those comedic roles um, and he can, he can play kind of an action hero and he loves showing up to comic book conventions. He loves. He was really upset that they screwed him out of being the Punisher because he wanted to play him again. Now that Marvel's got the uh, Marvel Studios has that. He was really angry back. about being screwed out of uh, uh, Jonah Hex. That was a story. When you know, happened. he loves Jonah Hex too. Like I love Jonah Hex too. But not have you guys that seen not Jonah Hex movie? Have you seen the uh, makeup tests of him as well? Jonah Hex. Like, yeah, they look I, I good. Have, but do you understand why that got released? No. He put it out on his personal Facebook before he got the okay from uh, Warner Brothers Studio, which is why he got fired from the role. Really? Yeah. That sucks. I mean, it, it, it was a, it was quite a to do when it happened, and it pissed me off because you know, as much as I like Josh Brolin, I think Thomas Jane could have brought just a little bit more to the role. You know, I don't. You know, no, Olivier couldn't save that movie, but at the same time, yeah, Thomas yeah. Jane was. Could have been a John's really good Jonah Hex. And I would be personally happy if, it, since Marvel Studios has Punisher back, if, then, if they wanted to oh, go sure. back and put him back in that role. I mean, race, I mean, I like Punisher Warzone and the fact of I like stupid shit and I'm a 
fucking idiot that likes stupid shit. There's nothing wrong with that. No. At the same time, I liked that movie. And I did like, but I did like, you know, a good 80% of the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, alright, so you have your Arthur character with uh, Thomas Jane, and then you have to have um, kind of the the wizard of mirth who's more fun-loving, um, and I went with uh, Alan um, Tudyk from uh, Firefly. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. I love him. Yeah, anything he's in, you know, he, I think he can really na- nail that uh, wizard character. He's got a big hair. Um, I was pl- envision him playing a pirate. <laughs> He'd be great as a pirate. He'd be great. He'd be also pirate. Great. Not pirate. <laughs> pirate from Dodgeball. Yeah, Steve. He, the pirate. he definitely has that instant likability. <laughs> yes. And um and then someone else in the char- in this character is a uh a character who's trying to be a detective who ends up getting killed and then comes back as a neurotic ghost who helped Kevin along and uh, I cast him as uh, Topher Grace. Topher Grace, he's got that he's got that bit where he can play kind of neurotic and um the character of Sean has moments where he has to stand up and try to be a tough guy. And you saw him be a tough guy as uh, Eddie Brock, I guess. And uh, also, I mean, Frosted Tips make you tough. The, mm-hmm. Your definition of tough guy. <laughs> and but he, he has that he has that ability to play neurotic. That's the only ability he has. <laughs> <laughs> Very neurotic. Uh, oh, for Grace. for Grace. And then um, to round up the the last of the good guys is um, is uh, Etzel. Um, she's an African American character, and this one I had a little trouble with. Uh, I originally put um, Atonia Thompson, who was Alicia from Misfits, in it. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, she's got I the. Have, I have a suggestion when you're done explaining this one. She's got she's got the look for it. I've never seen her really play tough, and that's why I actually kind of tough in Misfits, though. She's a little bit, but I wanted somebody with a little more kind of edge to her. And I think you got that in Sin City with Rosario Dawson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think she would really nail this character. When I think a character like that, I think of Alerica a, a Gallagher. You probably don't know who that is, but if you've seen uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, she was that girl that Harry was macking on in the cafe at the beginning of the movie. Oh, okay. She's a, she's a really interesting actor. She's re- uh She's only kind of an actor. She's more, um, she's more uh, involved in like the music scene. She does like a lot of, uh, she does like a lot of jazz music and things like that. And she's really into the R and B scene. But she's got a really interesting look to her. And, you know, that's what I look for in a character like that. But I, I'm gonna, I'll lay out to John's knowledge in this because I have not read the book. Um, and then. And then you're going to go with the, the bad guys and to list the the main bad guy who, who doesn't really leave his office but is the kind of the, the leader, the man with the plan, and who can play really, really evil. Um, I went with the, the Fisher King um, cast as James Nesbitt. I love James Nesbitt. Uh, James Nesbitt is awesome. Yeah. He could, uh, if you watch, have you, you watched um, called the... Uh, the Jekyll series, the, B- the BBC yet. Jekyll. Oh, yeah, uh, he I plays, just watched that not too he long plays, ago. He plays, he plays Jekyll and, uh, okay. 
on the other side, and he has those moments where he can just play vicious, and then have a at the same moment have a have a tender side, and not that you need a tender a tender side with this, but uh, a father character to his main henchman, um, which is uh, Emil Laszlo and Radu, who all look the same, um, who are shaved chip shaved. Oh, he's in the Hobbit. Sorry. Yeah, he plays Buffer. Um, shape shifters, um, who are his main his main um, kind of henchmen, and with those characters, you need somebody who can be uh, tough when they need to be tough, but kind of slapsticky funny. And I went with Paul. Who? David Tennant. David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> um. He's been in some stuff. But I, I, I definitely think he can nail that role of those those characters. Uh, and then you go to someone, uh, a, a dark demon who comes in to, to help the dark forces of um, Krom Kruch. And I went with uh, Tim Decay, who you'd know from um, White Collar as the FBI agent, or in Carnival, um, Jonesy. Oh, okay. Yeah, Where he could play just really dark, menacing, spitting fire and and acid. And then um, the red caps, what are like little goblin troll characters, basically CGI. I went with just Jack Black to do those characters. Go <laughs> Paul, but okay, Jack Black's pretty good too. Uh, and then um, there's a moment where there is a dragon in the deep dark bowels of a. Uh, the Styx Casino, and I went with that to be voiced by Tim Curry. Because, (laughs) damn, that guy needs work. And I love him. I like Tim Curry. I love Tim Curry, but he never does anything good and to voice a a band. Home Alone 2? Home Alone (laughs) 2? Home Alone 2 was almost 20 years ago. Kevin McCallister grows up to be Jigsaw. That's all I know. That would have made Warzone tolerable. <laughs> no, no, the Jigsaw Killer in uh, and Saw movies because he sets up traps for people to basically die in. Yeah, yeah, I like my version better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's my casting of Mage, a hero discovered. All right, that lives awesome. with Chris with one of his favorite. Books. I'm Chris. Um, this is one of my favorite books. Um, I originally wanted to do uh, Marvel's Runaways. But then I realized I don't know enough young actors to cast every role that would be necessary. I'm glad you're out of that, like, checking out the really young girls. I, I'm acting. so out of you know, you know who would be great? Someone who constantly watches Nickelodeon and Disney shows. <laughs> Paul? Paul knows everyone from, like, iCarly and, like, Sweet Life on Deck. Well, what's that stupid fucking uh, magic... Uh, Stop pointing at me. Magic school comes. show that you're starting to watch. Avalon High? <laughs> no, Paul is no. so much more suited for this. I'm sorry, I kind of swooped in and stole it. But when I started thinking, like, I don't know, like, young actors today. Like, every actor I would put in a role is, like, 20 now, and it's a little bit too old for me. We've run into that problem a lot. It's, yeah. it's a horrible... Like, hey, I remember this guy from this movie. Like, yeah, he's, like, 47 now. <laughs> it's like, what's Shia LaBeouf doing? Yeah, that happens. Um, so I kind of went to one of my fallbacks, um, something I think it would make a fun, just awesome, great movie. I went with, uh, Wildstorm slash Cliffhanger's Danger Girl. Um, very, just like, fun comic book. Imagine 
Indiana Jones meets Shoot 'Em Up, and you basically have what Danger Girl would be. Um, main character Abby Chase, part of a secret organization, um, stunning blonde. When I first thought stunning blonde girl, Alicia Cuthbert jumped into mind. I don't think she does enough stuff. Um, I'd very much like her to come back for this and just be an adventurer who's part of a secret organization with dual pistols. Something about that just uh, rings in my head as right. Um, also, don't look at my notes. I, I missed the first one. I, I said um, Abby Chase, Alicia Cuthbert. Oh, okay. I don't know who that is. Um, 24. She played yeah, she was, Jack Bauer's daughter. Oh, okay. She was also on, uh, whatchamacallit, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Really? The hot blonde that would have ushered you into puberty. Ooh, yep. Yep. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Um, Then we also, because J. Scott Campbell, um, creator, co-creator, I should say, of Danger Girl, loves women of different hair colors. Um, Of course, you have a hot brunette. And Sydney Savage, a weapons expert who's also Australian. She's the one with the whips. She's the one with the catsuit and the whips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need someone who's hot with an accent. I went with Emily Blunt. Yeah, yeah. Paul and John say, yeah. Um, yes, my movie's very much dedicated to just the eye candy and having a fun time when you go I to the like theater. I movie already. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I figured this would probably be up Aaron's uh, alley as soon as he started saying like he liked bad shit. <laughs> um, I know. I there's something about Emily Blunt. I just love her. Um, I, what was the name of that movie we saw where she was kind of on the run with the assassin? Bill Nye was in it. Rupert Grant was in it. I am drawing a blank. I, I can't think of the name of it. Um, on the run, she was with the assassin. Yeah, he like Bill Nye was the so assassin sent to kill her. Just Vampira. And they kind of like formed like like they bonded. I can't remember the name of it. We saw it, like, last year. Anyways, I'm kind of getting away from it. Um, <laughs> what? Getting away from I, it? I, I this know. Episode? We, we, we never get off topic. Um, also, part of the Danger Girl Alliance, you have the hot Russian who's good with knives. Um, when I think hot Russian, I think back to Quantum of Solace. I went with uh, Olga Kurlenko. Uh, Wild Target's the name of that movie. Wild Target. Thank you. Yes, that was it. Uh, Wild Target. I and forgot that I watched it. It's you. such a good movie. Um, but yeah, um, Emily Blunt's perfect. But um, is she hot in that one? Because she, I yes. think it's on uh, Netflix. I, she is. I is am Emily Blunt? It to Add that to your queue. Yeah. Um, I am too. Natalia Castle, agent of Danger Girl, also turns out to be a turncoat. Um, Whoa, spoiler alert! This Danger Girl owes so much to older Bond movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Both writer Andy Hartnell and artist J. Scott Campbell love Bond movies. You have to have the bad Bond girls. Who better to draw from than an actual Bond Bond girl? Olga Kurlenko. Look her up. Imagine her in a blonde wig, throwing knives around. Fantastic. Now, I'm surprised you didn't uh, go with... You didn't go with Sarah Michelle Gellar for any of these characters. Too old. Too old. I'm trying to like cast two ages, All right. and it's it's very hard. Yeah. Um. Natalia Castle, a little bit older member of Danger Girl, I was okay with going a little bit older um, for the actual role, not to Sarah Michelle Gellar. 
But um, also we have uh, Silicon Valley, who is Danger Girl's tech expert, and a redhead, because as I said, J. Scott loves drawing women of various hair color. I need someone nerdy. I need someone with that geek cred who knows what they're talking about. I actually went with Felicia Day. Oh. Um, She's accessible hot, which is kind of what you need for uh, Valerie. Mm -hmm. Um, That's right where I went. Paul, I know you love her. I have an on-again, off-again thing with her. Like, I'll love her, and then I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I love her. I I picture her as being good in this, because you kind of need to be twitchy and weird. Yeah. Um, Now, for the head of Danger Girl, he's an uh, ex-Special Forces, ex-Secret Agent himself, the Deuce. Um, Obviously, the visual inspiration for this character... Mr. Sean Connery. If you've read Danger Girl, as soon as you see Deuce, you recognize, no, he's just drawing Sean Connery with an open shirt. <laughs> um, so that, that's who I went with for this. Perfect. Um, he's perfect. Um, next up, on the hero side, I have Johnny Barracuda, the special agent who is the ladies' man. Um, when you look at him, you see nothing but chin. So, of course, I went with Mr. Bruce fucking Campbell himself. Um, oh, yeah. He, he's a little bit older than I would have casted, so if I had to go younger, I'd go with David Tennant. <laughs> yeah, boy! You'd go with Nathan Fillion. Thank you. Um, no, because then who would play Secret Agent Zero? The only, <laughs> the only member of the Hammer organization who has defected and lived to tell about it. Also, spoiler alert, um, Abby Chase's father, I, w- I went with Nathan Fillion. Um, he has that kind of like... Penis. He has a penis. <laughs> um, he's been around the block. He has geek cred. I can see him in a fatherly role. Um, he just kind of fell into place as that. It um, works. Then on the, uh, we have the bad side, the uh, forces of Hammer or the Fourth Reich, who are trying to gain these items of power to help create the Ubermensch to usher in the New World Order. Um, they also have an assassin ninja to combat Secret Agent Zero. Um, for that, I went with Ray Park, just because I need someone who can actually be badass compared to Nathan Fillion, who you're basically is just told is a badass. <laughs> I met Ray Park. Really? He was a fucking cockhole. Oh. <laughs> who yeah, haven't you met I, that I isn't a jerk to you? It was Star. It might not even. It might have been the Star Wars celebration, but the typical people were charging twenty five, twenty eight dollars an autograph, and he was charging sixty. What? And, yeah, and it, it wasn't a hey, I like you in your movies. It was a here's your autograph, get the fuck away from me kind of situation. That sucks. I was just talking to Aaron uh, about Indiana Jones. He's like, I met the guy that played Donovan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> dickhead too. Well, yeah, look at Donovan. <laughs> Like who had Glover was a jerk off. What and, celebrity and, have you and, met that's been nice to you? Bear in mind, guys, that this was I met both of these people. I met Ray Park and I met Julian Glover in the same day. <laughs> they were two jerk offs in the same day from Star Wars. I just would become so jaded to anything after that. I'm not. I still. <laughs> 
Kingdom and the Crystal Skull. Screw you guys. It's a fun movie. <laughs> no, I, I agree. It was fine. It's not. It's not horrible. I think it just gets a bad rap. No, it was it horrible. No, no. When you look at what Spielberg and Lucas did with the original Indiana Jones movies, there's so much based off of forty serials. Right. Now you here you are twenty years later, and they're basing it off of video game logic. No, they're basing it off of no. movies from the sixties, where it's very much like no aliens are cool now. I don't. I don't mind the alien bit. I mind that. Oh, we accidentally ended up in this river. Don't worry though; that river happened to just happened to take us exactly where we needed to be. And well, Paul, you're never going to enjoy anything <laughs> except for Raiders of the Lost Ark, which Same was thing happened in Temple of Doom. <laughs> pretty much, which is why I hate Temple of Doom. <laughs> One of the reasons well, I don't enjoy it just Temple. So happens that the, that the, that the that the guy that Indy knew 20 years ago happened to have a daughter that Indy happened to be fucking that would lead him into the... It, it, it's movies, and you have, to, you have to have that disconnect. So, Danger Girl, right? Danger Girl! Thank <laughs> you, Ethan. Um, this, this sounds like an awesome comic book. Where should I start reading it? Um, honestly, just like the first miniseries itself. Um, okay, it, so, which is just Danger Girl, right? Just It's just called Danger Girl. They've done some spin-off series where each one's like two or four issues. Um... All you need really is the first one. I see a pre-order on Amazon for yeah. Danger Girl and the Army of Darkness. Um, yeah, they had a crossover. Sweet. That might not suck. Um, pretty much, if you just start with, it's called Danger Girl, the Ultimate Collection, I believe. It's just the first series, which was probably six or seven issues. Um, that's actually what this casting is based off of, just like the first main storyline. Um, where was I? Kind of get back into it. Um, other forces of Hammer. You you have a uh, dwarf who's dressed as Hitler, teamed up with a mute. I mean, um, obviously. Who carries him around, and the dwarf has like long metallic like <laughs> robot arms that he uses to attack people. Um, I, I hate that I went this route. Just like who's really short and great that I could cast. Um, I went with Peter Dinklage. <laughs> Um, just out of the Golden Globes. Uh, for that. Golden Globes. Um, Peter Dinklage, he is to, like, what acting now as, uh, Warwick Davis was. He's no, just dominating no. those roles. Peter Dinklage is a good actor. He... <laughs> I love Warwick Davis. And, like, that day where my soul was crushed, I also met Warwick Davis, and he was super, super, super nice to me. But Peter Dinklage is a really, really good, serious actor. He, he is fantastic. Warwick yeah. Davis is, I'm short. That's his shtick. I mean, it's it's his thing, but he doesn't do much else with it. And, and fuck you, he was Willow. And when I... And I was no one. When I, <laughs> when I cast this, I was actually thinking, like, this role's kind of beneath Peter Dinklage, because it's just kind of one of those, like, no, you're short, like, this is why we're casting you, but you need to have a certain gravitas to, like, act as, like, no, I'm... I'm looking at myself as like the new version of Hitler. Yeah, um, and, and, and he's he's got that brooding. He's got he could play dark. Um, yeah. I think it's great. He, he yeah, he is a phenomenal actor. I'd have to look it up, but you know, I mean, have you watched Game of Thrones yet? Me? I've watched all the Peter Dinklage stuff. Fuck the rest of it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I uh, the actor that played the uh, the little guy in uh, in Bruges, he was really good too. And, you know, he had more anger than Peter Dinklage I've ever seen him have. But Peter Dinklage is probably the better actor. But Did, did you see Elf? Definitely uh, Yes, yeah, he is fantastic in Elf. Did you, did you see... Um, uh, the episode of 30 Rock he's in? No, what is it, like the conductor or whatever? The thing that his breakout role? Who? Peter Dinklage. Dinklage. What was that stupid... Uh, his uh, is the station agent? The station agent. 
that was a fantastic movie. I thought that was a great role. Oh, yeah, but yeah, the anger that he had as a character in that. Yeah, I know. I'm just giving... It sounded like Chris didn't sound very happy choosing... Uh, well, he didn't want to cast him just because, oh, you're a, you're a, a little person. Because I, I feel like he's he is a great actor, but this is almost like a bit part. Like, this is one issue of the comic books, like, where they're trying to get this item of uh, armor from him. But um, for his counterpart, uh, Mr. Giggles, the... Uh, don't don't laugh, John. The uh, crazy mute surgeon. I actually went with uh, David Thewlis. Um, I recently I watched. David Thewlis. I watched Dragonheart recently, and he plays creepy. Except you didn't like him in Dragonheart. No, <laughs> he plays creepy so well in that that that's automatically what I jumped Have to. Have you seen Naked? No. That was David. That was David Thewlis's role. That was a, a role of a Please lifetime. Was, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Fantastic movies. Fantastic role. Yeah, um, I love them as the creepy laughing man in uh, Big Lebowski. Josh Harrington, the video artist. Yeah, that that always cracked me the hell up. It was, I, I yeah, I got that for a DVD. I got that Blu-ray for Christmas and. I've watched, I mean, I've watched an inappropriate amount of times. It's fantastic. I've seen that movie way too I've many pro- times. I've probably seen it 15 times since Christmas. One <laughs> <laughs> of those things jumped out at me. I mean, um, he was really funny in that. And for another member of Hammer, I went with, he plays an arms dealer, slightly rotund, um, kind of off-putting. I actually went with Jorge Garcia. Nice. Um, I really enjoy everything he appears in. And for just like kind of one of those like bit parts where he would probably only be on screen for maybe like 10, 15 minutes. I, I want someone that can kind of have fun with the role. And yeah. I just see him owning this. Um, oh, yeah. I could too. Just seriously, like the character only appears in a, he played Hurley in Lost. Oh, okay. He was also on like a ton of episodes of Becker if you watch that at all. And in the um, Alcatraz, yeah. which is actually really I haven't good. seen yet. It's good. Um, it's but I went with him. Um, there, you also have Major Maxim, who's kind of like the tall, like, he's the muscle behind Hammer. Dressed in all in black. You can't see his face. He wears a gas mask and goggles. Um, just needs someone big and imposing. Not even a speaking role. And when I think not really speaking too much, big, burly, I go Vin Diesel. <laughs> He's an Iron Giant. He's such an Iron Giant. <laughs> Paul loves the Iron Giant. It's that's my favorite Vin Diesel giant. movie. I love the Iron Giant. This is very solid. Now, culminating in everything, we have the head of Hammer, Dr. Crippler. Dr. Crippler? It's spelled different. It's K-R-I-P-P-L-O-R. Um, you have a frail, just shell of a man. Looks like he could keel over at any second. And for this, I'm going back to my death pool pick from two years ago. I went with Abe Vigoda. <laughs> this would be a serious role for him. Right. He has to be like this mastermind that's trying to put together the suit of armor that's going to like give him youth and power. Um, spoilers, once it's completed... He becomes just this, like, Greek physique, mm-hmm. sculpted from marble. I went with The Rock. <laughs> because nothing says, I'm the man, more than Dwayne Johnson. Nothing says, old Italian man likes a Samoan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, like, you look at Abe Vigoda now, and you think, okay, you jack this guy up on steroids, make him 40 years younger. What did he play? The Rock. When the he rock. played Fish and Bernie Miller, he looked exactly the same. <laughs> like, there is no getting him younger. The only thing now is, like, he gets wheeled out in a bathtub and goes, I hate you, Conan, and then they wheel him away. <laughs> He looks the same as he did in The Godfather. 
But um, that that there's my Danger Girl movie. Wait a second, are you still up here on Conan? The new ones? I don't. I don't watch those. Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? I've seen Conan since he came back on. Because the last one, of the last episodes of Conan, he released a pagoda back into the wild. <laughs> So he, did, sure. he didn't run very far. So I'm pretty sure he couldn't bring him, like, it's one of those characters that he couldn't bring with him. Like Pimpot? Yeah. I, I have to say, out of all these, I, I want to see the Danger Girl movie. Yeah. Just because that of the... That sounds fantastic. Fuck you too, John. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just tried to go fun. Like, Yeah, those are all fun I characters. It's a I'm, completely fun movie. I'm not, a, I'm not a big movie guy, so I don't have the uh, wealth of knowledge that you guys do. So I just go with, like, man, who does this character look like? Oh, yeah. They'd be cool as this part. Well, a lot exactly. of the characters were, like, I mean, like Deuce and, uh, and Jimmy Barracuda were cast as Yeah, they, basically, when you look hey, at the I artwork... like Gabriel Byrne as uh, Nick Fury was pretty smart. Yeah, that is very That's good. That's a good one, yeah. Paul agrees. Paul. He nodded and then he shrugged. I don't know what that means. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go to the bathroom again. <laughs> All right. Aaron, Ethan... Thank you guys so much for appearing on another episode of the Bagden Boardcast. Did you say appearing or interfering? <laughs> <laughs> Both work. Yes, you did. Thank you for uh, letting us hijack your show. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, it's always a hijack when we have you guys on, but we keep having you back, so we must <laughs> enjoy it. It's very fun. I'm sure you can tell by the amount of laughing that it's just, it's heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might be surprised at how much I have my microphone, like, out of arm's length. Five minutes to try to not do that anymore. <laughs> and me, I don't care. I just hold on to the mic. So. <laughs> he hasn't taken it away yet. We're on our, what, 75th episode? You guys are catching up. I know. No, we shouldn't take all those bye weeks. <laughs> we should make this more weekly than we do. Alright, so please, we should stop doing not episodes and just make those episodes. But those don't fit. If we just counted them. Midweek specials. <laughs> just number them. Service announcements. <laughs> half the battle. Alright, until next week, where we'll be doing our. our yeah, January. January look back. look back. January look back. Unless you guys have finished the BB. Nope. No. Wow. You've Just only had me. you've only had it for two months. It's uh, been sitting on the shelf. It's been sitting on Chris's shelf. I just took it out, read a little bit of it. Now, coffee table. That's where it's going to sit for a while. Okay, as long as you don't ruin it on that coffee table. <laughs> we don't put anything on the coffee table. It's, it's the coffee table, not the sex table. <laughs> there anything goes there are video game cases, DVD cases, and my mail. <laughs> In Habibi. Mm-hmm. So look forward to what we'll be uh, reviewing next week. Comic books. Comic books. Comic books. Comic books are for losers and guys are age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're both. <laughs> <laughs>